Yeah, welcome to episode 07 of Sync Ratios, uh-huh. a Neon Genesis Evangelion podcast hosted by Ben Collins. Hey. And me, Luke, Luke Piotrowski. Oh, shit. I <laughs> fucked it up. I was trying to throw you for a loop. You threw me for a loop. Yeah, All right. we're, 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 getting, we're getting good at this, folks. Yeah. We've been doing this for... Eight episodes Eight episodes, now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Zero, zero. But this is covering uh, episode seven of the show, which is mm-hmm. That Which Is Man-Made, Japanese title. Oh, should I turn a light on? You can turn a light on. Yeah. It's a little dark in you here. You keep talking, Luke. Um, the English episode is a human work. I kind of think this is maybe the first time I'm a little bit more into the American title than the uh, Japanese translation title. But they're both they're both good. Um, this is uh, from a script by Yoji Enokido and Hideaki Anno. Director Keiichi Sugiyama, and I've been slacking off on the air dates, but uh, oh, the, yeah. the original air date for this one was November 15th, 1995. So I think we asked before whether this, whether there were like reruns or like gaps, and so yeah, far, that, that's it what I was going to say. Consistent. We should keep track of that because I am just curious, like, what the sort of timeline, like, imagine you're watching this the first time. Like, at some point when we're further in, we'll go back and see, like, when did it first air? Like, the first right. episode air, and then when we get to, the like, when the last episodes are airing, I'm just sort of curious. I want to say anime typically runs through the whole thing. They don't have, and like, then a... And they'll have, you know, like, like with Attack on Titan, I've noticed, mm-hmm. you know, because now we're finally into the era of simulcasting. Like, yeah. Where you can yeah. watch something simultaneously, pretty much, with what's airing in Japan. and Which is wild. The season will go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... But both, both wild that it just that it just didn't work that way and that it took this long to like it's like it's one hand, on one hand it's like it's, it seems so obvious that it's like yeah it's just it's just content it should just be available for everybody whenever but then on the other hand like yeah i mean well that was the big frustration was it took so long to license different things. markets different so, yeah i mean you remember trying to watch death note Oh, having yeah. to resort to whatever sort of oh, I know, shady, I think... shady means you could to watch it because it was airing and you wanted to see it. And it's like, well, you got to take the time for someone to license it, then somebody to record a dub, which I'm not even going to watch. That's, yeah, that is probably and what then, slows down a lot of it. Yeah. So, and then put it out. So it'd be sometimes, you know, years later. But that's the weird thing is now I think they're even, they're, they're doing simul dubs. Like they're, they're doing things so quickly where they will, it's not. Exactly simultaneous, obviously, because it takes a little bit longer to record, mm-hmm. but they are doing dubs like super fast so that you can watch the shows in the dub. I you... mean, it's it's one of the great, it's one of the better byproducts of streaming, I think, is that anime, like, it, it, they've it's huge. pinpointed that, that there's an audience for that and that there's a, that you can do this kind of thing and people, people give a shit, you know? I mean, I remember like when Crunchyroll was first sort of becoming a thing and, and, think redline or something there was there was like just just a few shows like there was mm-hmm. nothing but just the fact that there was this streaming service and that there was stuff that started to be simultaneous was like yeah really a watershed crazy moment and now it's pretty commonplace yeah and that, like we've said it before and maybe even on the show but that like when we were teenagers first watching this stuff i mean it's sometimes there was like a decade long delay of like when when we was like you know because they, they'd had, they had to determine like if stuff was even worth releasing over here right and stuff and so it's like all the things that everybody was watching that were like you know to our eyes sort of like cutting edge was anime from like the 80s and stuff you know it's like akira was still working but akira was like an, right. a, an old movie at that point yeah i mean akira is still 
looks so. No, oh, it's amazing. some of the best animations. Well, because ever they don't, made. The, you know, they don't have budgets like that anymore, yeah. and they probably never will again. Like that was, you know, before the bubble burst, and mm-hmm. so it's just like just throwing money at these lavish productions of this insane <laughs> shit. Yeah. Which, which does bring me to something that just I wanted to bring up just because I was texting you like late mm-hmm. last night as I was just marveling at the fact that, that this show exists, that yes. Evangelion exists and exists as it does. Because I've been referencing the Evangelion Chronicle side A, the essentially Evangelion Chronicle, which we talked about earlier. And I finally ordered side B because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, we're doing the show. It's been really helpful Very, to have yeah. the air dates and the directors listed and you know, the first half of the show is what it is, and the second half of the show, we've we've hinted at it a little bit, but you know, I just I don't I don't think it's a spoiler to just tell you that it gets crazy, and we say that it gets crazy, it, but it, it, crazy on a on a lot of different levels, and and I mean, people, you know, if you've seen like one anime movie, you know, you you might be the kind of person that's man, you know, that, that Japanese animation stuff is crazy, yo, like you know, like like. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's normal for the plots. It's a different culture. It's different genre tropes and stuff that we're not used to. But like, yeah, so all of that. But like, it gets it's it gets deconstructing of the the medium itself, and it gets like Where meta and like go, just, formal and conceptually <laughs> unique. And yeah, because again, it's it sort of starts as you know, they, they, this these chronicles are like these guidebooks, you know, like episode guides, just nerdy little things of like, here's what happens in this episode. This is the name of this weapon, and this is, <laughs> and as you start. As you continue to do that in the later stuff, like how fucking nuts the technology gets and the the philosophical stuff and just like well, I mean, just, you were like, sending so me excerpts and it's all yeah. all they they all have to be written with the same sort of like detached but you know kind of enthusiastically <laughs> nerdy like the the, the 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 tone of this type of you know any of these fandom things this is very specific and so to hear the that tone maintained as it's describing increasingly arcane and and um bizarre turns of events <laughs> in the show is very pleasing I and can't wait i can't uh, wait i mean it's which is just it's just particularly funny to talk about that and i just kind of want to remind everybody that because this is like maybe the most tame and sedate episode we've gotten yeah like, this, this is a very traditional kind of it's the most like episode like you know monster of the week kind of yeah. thing we've gotten like we've had yeah. the angels which is just a very monster of the week conceit but just this whole jet alone thing and uh it just and that the beginning is so sitcommy it's well, maybe the there's most three, there's three wake had. up scenes there's three breakfast scenes in this i was counting them and <laughs> toast, they and they the toast re- cues yeah and they repeat the shots and it's in by the way it's it's great because it's a good little triptych of bits where we have uh, Masato waking up kind of like, you know, messy and maybe hungover or Beer something like breakfast. that. Beer for breakfast. Two yeah. beers for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And Shinji's just sort of like, you know, politely sitting there kind of Shinji like... Shinji ain't having it. He's... Yeah, he's he's very critical of Masato this episode. But then you, then you have the middle one where she's like, got her, song, got her shit together. She's going to do an important thing and go be a badass stuff person. And it's like, you kind of think... Shocks, Pen Pen. Yeah. <laughs> and Shinji together. And then, and then in the last one, she's exactly the way she was at the beginning. And it's I, I don't know if the implication there is that like, Shinji's disappointed because he thought she was kind of like turning things around or if it's just like well that seems to be that makes I was a little confused watching it because it was sort of like yeah she <laughs> with, 
we have it on and we've had the shot of uh, Miss Sato perched on top of or she's on a chair but she's, she's sitting, sitting in a it chair. <laughs> with toast dangling out of her mouth yeah with her legs crossed so she's watching washing the dishes I-, I was remiss that we didn't really point out in the first episode when they or maybe it's the second one where they break up the chores yeah and they, 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 they for some reason Shinji goes along with the idea of breaking up the chores by like paper like, rock scissors yeah and he just loses it all <laughs> so there's like three misato chores on the chart and the rest is all shinji so because i think even in this episode she was supposed to cook breakfast yeah but but yeah like that that to jump ahead a little bit the, this is about their relationship this whole episode is about their relationship and that she almost dies and he's like so concerned and then at the end he goes right back to sort of complaining about mm-hmm. her again but i think you're right it's sort of like she was sloppy and like oh she got her shit together like look at this i'm so surprised and then it's like she just went right back to being sloppy again well i think it's because it is i mean you know the show's about a lot of stuff but but the, the relationship of oneself and the, the the image of oneself that one puts out in the world and the difference between these things and sort of a practical and also existential level is mm-hmm. a lot of it and i think it's like you know the, the tension of this episode for Shinji is that, it, you know, Masato's everybody loves Masato. She's fun. She's cool. She's hot. And, you know, she's like kind of this celebrity character to his classmates. Kensuke and, and Toji. Like, very goofy video camera antics in this. I mean, <laughs> and just, just tears in their eyes yeah. as, they, as they pop their head. That's just like the sitcom stuff, too. Like, oh, we, have, yeah. we have the toast and then we have the music and we have throwing open the door on both mm-hmm. of them. Like, good morning. And, you know, well, and it's like, it, but it's, but the, and it's weird because it's, it, it's an unusual plot because it's, it's, Shinji is just more bothered i guess that 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 i don't like i don't know if if it's he feels like she's sort of being deceptive to people because she's showing them uh, a better side of it and he's like you know in his mind it's like oh she's not really that great if you knew the real masada like she just you know leaves her underwear all over the place and you know hanging in the bathroom then i gotta Mm -hmm. look at it she's not cooking when she's supposed to she's drinking beer for breakfast and you know it's all yeah she's such a slob but mm-hmm. I mean, we're dancing around it. I don't think we we can find to jump ahead and sort of talk about the 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 lesson learned here is that Toji and Kensuke tell him at the end, like the fact that she yeah. shows that part of herself to you, you're so lucky because that means you're her family. Yeah, it doesn't mean she's lying to everybody else. It means she's telling a greater truth to you about who she really is, and yeah. you know. And I don't. And, and we're just tracking all this because it's as we're referencing when we get into some of the sort of the, the the very existential stuff towards the end of this uh-huh. I, i'm i'm wanting to make note of the themes of this uh, because i'm I'm here i want to try to remember that for when it gets into a lot of the, sure. the more probing stuff because we still haven't met asuka and you know we're about to they, they reference this is the i think this is the first they, time they reference, they reference unit zero two, two. Yeah. yeah in germany yeah mm-hmm. and so okay that's so i guess like to finish my thought, it's just that we're we're about to get another character who has a very different relationship to their sense of self, and that's going to put Shinji into uh, sort of at odds with and in, in thinking more uh, about himself and who he is and what all this stuff means. And so that's going to become, you know, a big theme, a big aspect yeah. of this in a, to a greater degree. So I just would flag that. We're sort of getting yeah, yeah yeah we had we had Ray last time mm-hmm. you know sort of okay really examining Ray had just sort of been a prop and then 
really interrogating you know her and Shinji's relationship and how he feels about her and then now we get Misato who's been around but we haven't explored their relationship too much and yeah we got I think Asuka coming up here uh real real fast fast is it the next one yeah okay okay Um, was it before we leave behind, you talked about greater truth. I was going to use that as like a great segue into all of the mythological truths that are well, that's, covered. That you, okay. But but I wanted to to talk about. I just wanted to flag how much I enjoyed what it seems to be a rehearsed thing on Kensuke and Toji's <laughs> part when he when Shinji starts to complain about Misato and they slap him on the back in unison and and go on for. You know, like several lines of like, you leave the willing uh-huh. the piloting of the Ava to you, and you leave Masato to us. <laughs> I mean, it's a very that's a that's like a very I don't know what the origins of that trope are, but I just associate that with like anime sidekick characters of the speaking in unison and the sort it's of a, like, it's a very specific like pattern, like a, like yeah. a, a, a staccato sort of quality to the comedy that's mm-hmm. just throughout this whole episode from the shots of the toast popping up in the that probably has something i mean they're just talking on my ass here it probably has something to do with like japanese stand-up comedy or something like that there's probably some a reason why that type of i mean comedy is so specific to culture Mm -hmm. that it is you know sometimes hard and you know like i watch a lot of you know martial arts movies and stuff and there's certainly a lot of you know kung fu movies that have comedic elements and sometimes sometimes it's you know funny and then some of it just does not translate Mm -hmm. um it is funny in this though. I, I find I find those tropes funny. I'm definitely very used to, it, and I am yeah a big fan of sort of the rapid fire style of a lot of the anime comedy. Like how mm-hmm. you know I think of the, like the the Armstrong character in Full Metal Alchemist, and you know he's just like flexing, and there's twinkles coming off oh, of him, yeah, and flash yeah. cutting, and his muscles, and you know there's just very how quick and people's reactions to things, and yeah, I definitely. And what I and I'm trying to remember how how comfortable I was with that at first, and how much that threw me for a loop. Mm-hmm. But now that I've seen enough of it, I definitely speak that the, the language of that yeah that type of comedy, that speed of comedy, and I really love it. But this episode's kind of full of comedy. This is I don't know if I want to commit to that fully because it's full of a lot of things. But I want to I want to commit to the idea that this is a comedy forward episode. But it kind of is because you also get this is also you pointed out the most Shin Godzilla episode because mm-hmm. the actual plot of the episode uh involves Misato and Ritsuko going to this like conference where they're representing <laughs> Nerve and there's a And it's a, a very anti nerve conference. Like yeah. they're they're positioned at a table and, and there's like this wide shot of the conference room where you know everybody's got that there's the nerve table and it's just Misato mm-hmm. and Ritsuko. And it's like an empty table and everybody else is like drinking beers at their tables. They're all full of people hanging out. Yeah. It looks like they're at like yeah, it looks like the like Golden Globes or something. At this yeah. Empty table. Um, yeah. So it, it becomes this sort of you know story about uh, you know these institutions and the inner workings of this stuff. And there's a lot of stuff about the money and a about, lot about money. You know. Yeah. Which is again, like this is the behind the curtain kind of stuff that I really admire Anno for in this and in, in exploring this thing. It's like, well, what would happen if if there if we had to build these giant machines to yeah. fight a threat? But there are well, budgets. we would have a government thing, but then there would be some you know Steve Jobs guy or something that thought he could do it better. You know, I mean, we had this with James Cameron when the the cleaning of the Gulf <laughs> oil spill. Right. Remember that? And James yeah, Cameron's I like, do. no, I got this idea for this centrifuge thing, which you know at the time I was like, well, fuck it, try it out. Why not? And uh, who knows? Maybe James Cameron's on to something. But like, that's the kind of thing that would be happening if this was going on now. You'd have Elon Musk would be trying 
trying to build his right, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and so this it's cool to see somebody think that through in thing. that way. But that's a threat to nerve and Sele's mm-hmm. plans, which we don't know a whole lot about, but this episode also you know pulls the curtain back on that the conspiracy stuff but yeah yeah because it opens with with gendo on a phone call with someone who isn't identified clearly doing some sort of you know sneaky kind of corporate espionage type stuff Mm -hmm. implying getting updates and like i sent them doctored information Mm -hmm. and you know okay i think we have this under control so we don't know exactly what they're talking about but but nerves obviously as an institution doing some sneaky shit to maintain their their presence here and And there's even just a whiff of the metaphysical stuff going on too in that like the floor and ceiling of gendo's massive office Mm -hmm. is that tree of life that kabbalah tree of life that we pointed out in the opening credits Mm -hmm. which you know starts to hint at ritualistic kind of stuff and again that that quasi spiritual side of the technology and all that that we've that I know I've flagged mm-hmm. as something that really appeals to me. And then there's also there's also the bit that's probably pretty important that if you can remember the details of, I feel like you know it better than me, but uh where is it is Ritsuko's telling Shinji mm-hmm. this is like the first time in the show that we've gotten that second direct yeah. direct information that's not from a sort of like propaganda source like there's like the, <laughs> the teacher we got the, the teacher movie. and then we got yeah we got the movie so there's this sort of like here's the historical official state version here is the pop yeah, culture the, version the meteor that hit the earth and caused second impact that's all bullshit yeah what really happened with second impact was in antarctica there was a research expedition they found they came in contact with the first angel, right? Yeah, Does she that's, say that? I think she says that. Yeah, and in we'll find out. Ooh, the first angel. Who's that? What is that? Because we it is it has always been very intriguing that in the first episode mm-hmm. I think they talk about this is the third angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this episode they talk about oh the angels are back and, and I've you know expressed concern like oh, the timeline where do they know how do they know this stuff? So yes, there was a contact with the first angel in Antarctica in two thousand, mm-hmm. and in that contact with the angel something happened. And there was the huge explosion that was second impact. That did devastated the whole planet. It was humanity's contact with the first angel. Uh, The specifics of that are, you know, unclear and remain somewhat unclear. Yeah. Something happened when when man met angel for the first time, and that was second impact. And that's what's left us in the state that we are in in the show. Yeah, and we're going to be tracking every piece of information about that. But that, that she sort of says the Evangelions yeah. are built to prevent third impact. Third, yes. Yeah. And so so the so that we get we you know, that's a clear direct thing that I don't you know, has been sort of like hinted at, but that's it's the first time it's been fully connected that that is what this whole thing is about and now we're seeing, you know, that everyone obviously thinks this is important because we don't, you know, no one wants to you know the planet to be destroyed or whatever and i think uh uh they even say that to shinji like you you keep taking care of the protecting the earth or whatever mm-hmm. is like a line that you know uh toji says or something like that and you know that's what this is and so we're seeing but that's why gendo wants to be in control of it that's yes. why gendo can't really have this jet alone project succeeding because we're jumping ahead but you've seen the episode it's ultimately going to be revealed that gendo has either through this guy that he's talking to on the phone who we have not met yet or, you know, whatever that, that cause the, well, let's talk about jet alone yeah. <laughs> and then we'll talk about how the jet alone was sabotaged. Um, so, so jet, jet alone is introduced 
like I said, via this sort of private competitor company that's saying that they have a superior alternative to the Avas in yes. that this is a uh, uh, doesn't require a human to operate it, so it cuts down on human error, and it has a nuclear reactor inside of it, so it can it can run. It can power itself continuously for like 150 days, they say, as opposed right. to five minutes, which is calling back that, you know, I think lovely little limitation that they that placed on the whole thing that the Avas have to be, you know, connected to a power source and they can only last right. for, run for so long. So this is being presented as the sort of, you know, uh, oh, this is so much better for all these reasons. And Except here we're going to show you. The it has a nuclear reactor. It's a walking nuclear reactor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if something goes wrong, it could go very, very wrong for a, a lot of people. And surprise, it does. They power it up to move for the first time, and then it just starts moving independently, and they can't control it. It just keeps walking. <laughs> it just keeps walking. In the most <laughs> amusing way. I, 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 I just, from the first time I saw this show to today, am so tickled by particularly the silhouette shot of Jed alone, just kind of <laughs> hauling ass across the countryside with his arms just a swinging, <laughs> and Ava, uh, Unit 1, trying to catch up. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's the specificity stuff that, like, I mean, I, I'd love, I wish there was like a video of, of, you know, like how they have all those great behind the scenes videos of like, um, when you watch like a Miyazaki movie where he's like talking to his animators uh -huh. and stuff like that. I wish there was behind the scenes footage of like, I don't know if Anno himself would have done it. Or trying so, to act, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. it all because it looks like that. It looks like something that somebody had to really go. Okay, this is this is the it concept. Fe it here. feels it like a mean, like they're like they. I feel like. This is not true at all, but I just sort of wish, and it feels like there could be some some guy that they knew who just walked like <laughs> like a real dipshit, and it was like, oh, make it walk like so and so. They're just they're just like, hey, come in here real quick, and he's like, he looks like he's got like a big backpack on or something. Like, yeah, he just like, he's just like some kid you went to middle school with that had this giant backpack and these swinging arms. I mean, you know, if you to if 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 you told me that like Anna or somebody just saw a video of himself walking to like the train station or something, uh -huh. and like it was like. Oh, I should just. That's funny. I look funny. Like I, if you if you told me that that's where it came from, I would believe that. Yeah. So plot plot wise, he you know they yeah they they do the test of this thing. Like look how much better this is. It's got a nuclear reactor and it just keeps on a walk in and it's gonna go into meltdown and hurt a bunch of people. I do want to do a little little history on. Alone. Yeah, I was gonna I, ask I you to do that. Yeah. Are you familiar with all of this information? You've talked to me before. It's a character from a Godzilla movie. Well, yes. Let, let's. We'll set the scene. Mm -hmm. The place, Japan, the year 1972. Mm -hmm. You've got your Ultraman and Super Sentai shows doing special effects, you know, week to week on TV. So the Godzilla movies, you know, you don't need to go to the theater anymore to see mm -hmm. this stuff. So I imagine this has something to do with it. But Toho holds a contest. Like, just put it out oh, there. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids, write in. Tell us. Design a character <laughs> that we'll make a movie about. Uh-huh. And so the winning, the winning entry, some some geek out there in the world, um, had this character called Red Alone, uh -huh. um, which I presume was a robot that could shrink and grow and fight monsters. Uh -huh. which sounds a lot like Ultraman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is somehow the winning entry. It's like, okay, we're gonna do that. Over time, Red Alone gets changed to Jet Jaguar. Oh, yeah, okay. Supposed to be in his own movie, but 
Toho again, concerned and you know trying to make as much money as possible, is like, well, we'll put Gigan and Godzilla in the movie too, and mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be Godzilla versus Megalon. Oh yeah, I I have that one on VHS. It's a good one. I mean, it's it's the worst one because it was at the time <laughs> that they were like at the most. Again, like the budgets are low. They, you know, it's uh, most of the fights just take place in the wilderness when mm-hmm. there's like one set and nothing to destroy <laughs> to, to, to reset up the shots. It's got this clearly Ultraman inspired character. But yeah, it's, it's like this character in a contest that was called Red Alone, changed to Jet Jaguar. And if you've seen Godzilla vs. Megalon, yeah, he's this size changing robot <laughs> with this really swanky theme song. Uh-huh. It's definitely. Definitely a movie worth seeing. It's it is one of the one yeah, of my favorite Godzilla movies. It's moves. worth worth mentioning because you might hear this. Um, if I remember correctly, I obtained a you know one of those really shitty quality VHS, like those ones that you would find at like Camelot Music for like four dollars yeah, or something. That's that's it, my cop, my original copy. It's probably the only edition. I mean, it's never. I don't think the Godzilla vs. Megalon my, has been, has been <laughs> my, released my, in a better the form. The label. I think it was in like LP speed or something. It yeah. was in like in a speed less. Yeah, no. Good, and the label was just like you know, Good Times Home Video, and there was a blank where you were supposed to write in the name of the movie that it was. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. I gotta, didn't even say Godzilla versus Megalodon. I'm gonna dig my. My mom out. had to write it. In I'm pretty me. sure I still have it somewhere in this apartment, but I'm gonna try and dig it out. But it's worth mentioning because my. My friend Phil Aiken, uh, who I went to college with, and, and he did uh, recorded sound on uh, my senior project film, which you also were an actor in. Oh, and nice. then he was uh, one of our location uh, sound people on Super Dark Times. Uh-huh. Uh, he was moving to Japan to, I believe he was moving to Japan with his wife to teach English. They were going to do that. And so oh. I was helping him move out of his apartment. And in addition to a couch, and a pet scorpion that I gave to my friend John Jesus Lynn. Christ. I also got a box of like Godzilla VHSs, including Godzilla versus Megalon. Hell and I remember yeah. calling you and being like, "Oh, what is you know what's this one? What's this one?" And you're like, "Oh, Godzilla versus Megalon, absolutely the worst one." And I was like, <laughs> "Fantastic! I'm gonna watch that immediately." And I used to just leave it on all the time with the it cover is, of great. them, uh, like Godzilla and Megalon, on each on top of one of the twin towers <laughs> duking yeah it out i think so is the cover art god i gotta Which find that another cool cover art i still have mine but yeah so you take the you know red alone and jet jaguar and combine the two names and you get jet alone uh-huh. and so that's but the design's that's not that story. similar right they don't the design doesn't no. look anything at all like it yeah. but just yeah the idea that's a robot he's named after that thing um that's fun yeah i'd forgotten all about yeah yeah and that, you know, we talk about Shin Godzilla a lot, but that you're right in that once Jet Alone goes crazy, mm-hmm. there is, it is, okay, we need the authorization to have the password to sort of reset everything on there, and that's going to save everybody. That's mm-hmm. the, you know, the push the button MacGuffin. <clears throat> yeah. And, and there's this sequence where people have to make all these phone calls, like up the chain of command to sort of like get permission to yeah. give Misato the password so she can just. And it's all done in these, like, the these kind of like. Um... Uh, mirrored compositions of just these sort of like wide shots of pe- the the person in question that is the, the authority it will be like her small in the center of the frame and it's, it's like sitting at a desk or like a guy on a, a golf sort course of irresponsible yeah. like <laughs> from an office to something else to like yeah ultimately just a dude on a golf course is the guy that has to give the final it's like oh can you can you submit a written request for permission <laughs> yeah, and right. blah, blah, blah. and meanwhile there's a there's like a walking atomic bomb that's just traveling across and, the country and uncontrolled just like let me go stop it <laughs> Now, worth noting that uh, Ritsuko sort of like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, 
don't do this, but Misato... Yeah, lots of lots of reaction it. shots of Ritsuko's sort of knowing look as the whole chaos is going down. Like, oh, she doesn't seem terribly surprised by all of this. Or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. implying, mm-hmm. of course, that she's got her secrets and Ritsuko that, you know... Because we don't... At this point, we don't really know enough about the relation... I mean, we're sort of getting something of the hierarchy. Like, it's fun that, like, Misato is, like... A fairly new employee. We know that because she wasn't a part of the Ava Unit Zero Zero test. The testing, right. So like she sort of came to work here around the time as the, as uh, Shinji came. Yeah, I mean so, she, she picks him up. You know? Yeah, so it's like so we know that like she's in charge of operations, like she runs the missions and stuff, and she works with the kids, but she's not like in charge on a sort of administrative level. There's a level. lot she doesn't know. Yeah. And and so at this point we don't know like her and Ritsko have like a seemingly good relationship and they seem to sort of like each other and stuff like that, but they seem to have different interests and things and they don't tell each other everything. And we don't really know what the, the sort of balance between like, what is Gindo? What, what do Gindo and Ritsuko have to talk about that Masada doesn't know about? What does, does Ray, who's presumably been there as long as Ritsuko right. and Gindo, like what is she? It's like everybody's sort of keeping secrets from each other to some degree and from the audience and it'd be interesting to track <laughs> yes. that as well because some of that's going to, you know, become pretty, you know, plot important. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the the plan is basically that Misato calls in Unit 1, gets Shinji in there. He's going to hold her, hold her in the Ava's hand race after jet alone and like basically you know put her on it so she yeah, can get yeah. inside and shut the thing down um and that's what she does but the problem is that the password doesn't work mm-hmm. and just when it seems like oh shit this is you know going to be the end of misato it all turns off and it was sab you know she becomes yeah. suspicious and it's like okay clearly this was sabotage was set up to go haywire to make jet alone look bad mm-hmm. and unfeasible but it was actually always going to stop before anything yeah. bad happened. Yeah. Um, before that, I do want to call out the moment where Shinji's sort of talking to Misato. He sort of tells her not, not to do it and that it's dangerous. And she's basically says like, well, if I, if I don't try and do this, I don't think I'd be able to live with myself. Mm-hmm. Like he sort of gives this nod. And I just kind of wanted to pinpoint that as a moment where she is an inspiration for him. Yeah. Like, you know, he's he's constantly looking for reasons and asking Ray in the last episode, like, why do you do this? Like, Mm -hmm. give me a reason to do this thing. And so I think seeing somebody putting their life on the line because I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't try to save these people is important for him to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Because at this point he is still, and I mean, kind of continues, will will continue to be, you know, sort of just like a a person trying to understand how to be a person, mm-hmm. in, in addition to trying to understand how to morally reckon with piloting a giant <laughs> pen, machine. Pen, pen on the TV is reading the newspaper, by the way. <laughs> like, I t- we talked before about evidence of him being intelligent, and he is just straight up reading the news. Sorry. No, no, it's, no, it's worth noting. But no, I think it's well, a lot of what Shinji's sort of doing at this point in the show is he's kind of trying to understand how everybody else lives their life. Mm-hmm. And in... in you know, which I think is a is a thing about his age, but I think that's also a thing that you know any anyone can find themselves in that position if they're going like, well, how does this work for everybody? Like, how does everybody just get up every day and do the things that they have to do and feel yeah. good about things and and not think about the stuff that worries them and stuff? And it's like you know, everyone he meets, he's sort of like trying to learn about how to be a person from them, and I think that that's 
yeah trying like on a continuing thing with the show and misato points out that he's you know sarcastic with her you mm-hmm. know that he is talking back and that that's a good thing for him to have that stuff one thing we didn't talk about it is and it, a plot point that is never explained is why misato's car changes color <laughs> yeah that's one of those things like like um when you're a kid you know, like sometimes in Disney movies, the animators would just like fuck up and like the curtains would change color or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. Like, I don't really know enough about animation to know exactly how something like that happens, but or it's like easy Marge, to. Marge like, would have like her hair wouldn't be blue or something. Like, yeah, you know, somebody forget to color something. <laughs> yeah, there's just like things and stuff. Like, so it's like, I don't, it, it, it kind of looks like that when she pulls up in the it's car. It's clearly red, but it's, it's but clearly it's... blue last, like when she went to stop Shinji from leaving. But it also was like taped together from all the, yeah. the so it might for you, because you were like, why did the car change color? And I was like, well, I don't even know if it's the same car. Like, I don't know if the implication is that she got a new car. Because, mm-hmm. but I mean, it, it doesn't seem like a fuck up because it's like a featured shot of the yeah. car kind of like swinging into this, she like kind of does like a 180 to park Dominic in this. Toretto. Yeah, and the, you know, like, if it was just like in the background or something, I would sort of accept it as that. So I don't know. We, we'll have to look at the look for the car in the subsequent yeah. episodes and see if. But in terms of plot, we, we I think we're sort of like wrapping up the those events. I think there's a couple other little mythology things to to flag and uh, discuss slightly. But yeah, it, it's revealed at the end that Gendo Ritsuko, whoever was on the phone with Gendo at the top of the episode, are all sort of aware that. And responsible for what happened with yeah. alone, and so that's why Ritsuko was sort of wanting Misato to not bother to try and stop it because she knew it was designed mm-hmm. to to not actually go off. Um, all to keep the Ava's a nerve in control. Yeah, which for, is just you for know, what reason we don't know because because uh, you know we don't have enough genre plots in this show apparently that we <laughs> also need corporate espionage yeah. and like. You know, there's just there's, there's just so many like layers, and we're not really like losing any of them yet. <laughs> no, we're it's just not shedding. It's just, just adding more layers. More. Just keep adding more. But some fun stuff I wanted to point out just as I was watching that I think is where this like the plane that Gendo is flying in. He's in like sort of the space shuttle plane, mm-hmm. and he has this conversation about UN budgets and like they they've approved the budget for Ava Unit Six. Well, everybody except the U.S. has approved a budget mm. for Ava Unit Six. And he's talking to this guy that. Ship the shield that Ava Unit Zero uses to protect Shinji oh. from Romiel's blast in the previous episode. Or? Yeah, yeah. Um, is the bottom of a ship like that? Oh, okay, yeah. You mentioned that on yeah, the thing. We talked about space shuttle looking thing, but it's that. Yeah. So that's that, and then Shinji also points out. I just wanted to point this out, but that he says for the first time that the entry plug in the LCL smells like blood. Yeah. Which. It's just cool. And then he, well, and then he just, then he talks about feeling like safe inside the thing or whatever, yeah. and which it, you know, it, it immediately thought of you're referring, you know, talking about womb, womb uh, imagery and stuff yeah. about the whole things and stuff, which is interesting. But yeah, no, that is the first time, and they, like he'll, they, there's more. I think they, that comes up again. Yeah, I feel like that's a, a thing for sure. But it's a very just, evocative sort of like when they when they say that it makes me. Smells it, like blood. Well, it makes me try to think about what blood smells like, and if I've ever, if I've ever thought that before, because like you talk about like tasting, tasting like blood, yeah. But I'm not really, I don't really think about the smell of blood, mm. uh, so much. But it's an interesting, 
it, when, yeah. when someone says it's like so when someone says something smells like something your brain almost immediately makes totally. you think about it it's an interesting uh, like trigger it but that's not and one it's that, just such an interesting connotation to have mm-hmm. when thinking about the cockpit and and, and similar but not in that in the way that like people will have like on a loop the Star Trek like the hum of the Enterprise like the Next Generation Enterprise hum is like a soothing thing for people mm-hmm. and they're like you know people have created like loops of that sound so you yeah. just have it playing on your computer the hum of the entry plug on the Evangelion oh, yeah. is very powerful for me but sort of in a way that makes me feel uh, unease or like contemplative in a dangerous way mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 not soothing but the like that particular tone mm-hmm. of being inside there is uh man you know that makes that makes me want to do uh that makes me want to well a find if anyone's because it's they were like those things where people would sort of take atmospheres from different sci-fi movies and do like 10 hour youtube clips as i yeah. assume what you're yeah, talking that's about what I'm talking where it's like it just sounds like you're in deckard's apartment and from blade runner or it sounds like you're whatever so a i want to see if somebody's done one of those for the for this uh-huh. and B if I really wanted to figure out a way if, like if you wanted to have a real experience try and <laughs> try and figure out a way to go to the sensory deprivation oh, tank sure. and play that through because you, you can technically like hear through the sensory deprivation tanks you just put in earplugs and stuff like that but if you did a thing where you laid in a sense like, I'd start seeing those like uh, <laughs> we just look like like uh, like wallpapers or whatever that appear like the rainbow yeah, the, color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is these like still shots. Because that's kind of what it, I mean when they're sitting in it in, the, in the those the moments like that when he's plug. sitting in it in between like stasis and like we did like when he's like they're powering it up or they're about to. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the vibe. Is it sort of feels like yeah, oh, just definitely. like sitting in it. I, mean, I think it's like I don't again I don't know if that's a here's a great question to to Google for next time. We should start writing down the things that we don't know that we can look up and call back to. Is yeah. Oh, are sensory deprivation tanks popular in Japan? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I am assuming that our audience knows what sensory deprivation tanks are, right? Uh, I would. I mean, if you've ever seen the movie Altered States, is the most popular uh, uh, iteration, you know, in movies and stuff. But it's been used in. I mean, Stranger Things had them and stuff like that. It's, yeah, oh, Stranger Things. That's right. That, yeah, that's it's probably it's, popularized. Yeah, I think. I mean, you go into the dark and the salty water, and you can float, and it's completely black and you can't hear anything you can't see anything you can't really feel anything because the water is basically room temperature or body temperature yeah. so just like kind of floating there with all of your senses yeah and, yeah. and, and if your you mind can if, wander if you and, can do it correctly and not touch the sides or your own body and you can be still enough and a certain i, I swear to god you can feel like your body goes away and i've had moments in those things where i'm like what if i was just a detached consciousness like floating in space and it's like oh is this what it would feel like like before god created like you know the heavens and the earth or something like i've had like and, and i don't and i'm not like it's not like all there's i'm not going in there on like psychedelic drugs you or anything you come out as a as a proto human <laughs> as a gorilla man I just, but I've had, I have had very weird detached existential experiences in those things. And it's just funny <laughs> to have made the connection because this is funny. And my, my Shinji showing of like, I was just so concerned with like trying to not touch the sides. Like, <laughs> Oh, I'm going to ruin my experience. Well, Cause I, I probably told you this. <laughs> I stressed out. Like not, if I bump it, it's going to ruin the illusion. So I have to, so the whole, t- I could never quite get into it. Cause I was so stressed out that I was going to fuck it up for myself that I <laughs> fucked it up for myself. <laughs> 
Well, you know, there's a really good one in Pasadena called Just Float. Uh, okay. You can always you okay. can always go, go back. Again. And they have bigger you because I don't know the tank you were in was different uh, when you did it, but like these these ones are bigger. It's like a little room, so it's yeah, yeah. better. But I just I'm just calling that out because I feel like it's going to come back up because the show the show's going to get to some kind of existential and psychedelic places, and I oh, yeah. and I'm realizing that for me at least personally that's going to be a touchstone. Because I've done the I've done the uh, sensory like, deprivation take probably I think six times now. As soon as End of Evangelion is over, we should immediately get into oh sensory deprivation take and see what happens. Oh, that would that would be that would be excellent. Yeah, and so that's I'm just talking about that now because when it comes back up later, uh, sure. Because I I don't think the last time I watched this show, I only started going to the the tanks in like 2015. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't really thought about that, that there is a lot of them stuck in the entry plugs having existential experiences like yeah. eventually. So yeah, yeah. good good reference point. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss? How are we doing on time? Are we done with this yeah, episode? Is there yeah, more? We're about like 40 minutes. We can, okay. we can. I mean, there's a couple of things I wanted. I'll just bring this up since yeah, I sure. sort of got it. We I talked last time uh, complimenting some of the voice actresses. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just got me thinking about, yeah, you know, I knew Megumi Hayashibara, who's the voice of Rei, was a very famous voice actress. And a lot of the stuff I knew at the time, but I sort of hadn't thought about. So when I just looked her back up again on IMDb, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, like she's been around forever. The, the biggest stuff, like stuff that I personally like is she's mm-hmm. the voice of Paprika. In Paprika, oh, really? She calls Paprika movie. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. That's well, kind of wild. Get ready for this. Uh-huh. She's the voice of Faye Valentine. In Cowboy Bebop. Really? Yep. See, now I want to like find like a comparison things because I, I mean, there are voice actors that I can recognize sometimes. The voice of Ray is so specific. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like somebody like Asuka, who is the uh, instructional video in Battle Royale. Like you know that yeah. Oh, you know, I remember when we first saw that. It's like, oh, that's so obvious. Yeah. I mean, and you, you know. if you haven't seen the show yet, you haven't met Asuka yet, but you know, she's got a very distinct voice. But Ray has a sort of, you know, it's yeah, it's no, just it's deadpan, true. so it's harder to tell. But she's also in the new Fooly Cooly, which I have not seen yet. I have not yet seen. either. But like classics like Ronma One Half, mm-hmm. Macross, One Piece, uh, Bubblegum Crisis, which I did wow. see and, and enjoy, Project Aco, Detective Conan. She's also the voice of Pen Pen in this show. So. <laughs> And then, because this is a Misato episode, I, I want to call out uh, Kotono Mitsuishi, uh, who is Misato's voice. And Kotono Mitsuishi is also the voice of Christy in the Dead or Alive games. Okay. The de- this is the, yeah. this is the sexy British yeah. white hair. Yeah. God, so I haven't thought about those games in a I'm long gonna time. I'm going to play as that character more. Sure. Uh, I brought up Excel Saga on here earlier, mm-hmm. and she is the voice of Excel in Excel Saga. So I, I will want to revisit that because it's like such a wacky character mm-hmm. like it is in terms of what we we're talking earlier in this episode about the sort of whiplash comedy the rapid fire just mm-hmm. craziness like it's that character is all that so the fact that that's misato's voice makes me really want to uh dig back into that um she's the voice of hughes's wife and full metal alchemist um she was Catherine in the video game Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I know there's, And there's a distinction of like the game is Catherine with a C and she is Catherine with a K. And oh, that's funny. You would like that game. It's a crazy, it's a puzzle game that has a, a beautiful anime style and you're just. <laughs> What's <laughs> just it, like, what system is it on? Uh, I have it on PlayStation 3. I think there's a PlayStation 4 version. Yeah, well. It is a wild, takes place in nightmares. You're like a guy with in your underwear with sheep ears and you're like climbing these 
you have to pull out these boxes and climb up. I, <laughs> that sounds insane. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll get it, it later today. Yeah. Um, she's also in Paranoia Agent. Oh, okay. Which I know is a Satoshi yeah. Kon's TV show that is not. Other That's, than Evangelion, man, is one of the ones that I most want. Like if, Netflix, if, get if, on that. If, like, it, yeah, like I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. Like if 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 this podcast ever becomes popular in any sense at all, and we have any influence over anything, I, getting Paranoia Agent available again in this country, it would be a huge victory to feel just, like I contributed to. Huh. Because it used to be, I, I watched the discs from Netflix with Kevin in my in, in uh, the house we lived in in Savannah. And, you know, you didn't think anything of it. You just thought they were around and stuff. And now, like, getting a box set of the of Paranoia Agents costs us, like, it was $200 always, or something. It was, I mean, it was always almost prohibitively expensive. Like, it, it continued to have, like, really expensive discs with very few episodes on them. So I rented it from, like, a like a Netflix anime thing. Oh, I remember before. that, yeah. yeah like there was a service, Rent Anime. Mm-hmm. And, and so I got the discs, and I loved it, and I always wanted to buy it, but even then, it was sort of like, ah, it's a little t- too expensive, but now I wish I had. It, Satoshi Kon, obviously, if you don't if you don't know, he directed Paprika, yeah. Tokyo Godfathers, Perfect, Perfect Blue, Blue. Uh, uh, Millennium uh, Actress. Yeah. He, he passed away not too long ago, which is really unfortunate. Another one of the probably best directors specifically anime, in, in anime. anime film directors yeah. too. And it's just such a bummer because he was one that was paranoia agent was his only show right yeah, i think so yeah and it was a mini series it was a short show and it's hard to even pitch what it's about but it's impossible but it's fantastic satoshi Kon stuff uh yeah urban legends and like a, a lot of different stories it feels you know david lynchy sort of but de- definitely anime and i don't know truly unique but anyway, yeah. she was in that and then the biggest thing of course is that uh demisato's voice is also the voice of sailor moon really yeah <laughs> i did it's not know sailor that moon. at all in like like in all of sailor moon like is that because it's she's like sailor moon yeah like in multiple series and that's princes. so wild i'm not like a huge sailor moon person i don't know a whole lot about it no i, I mean i've I, been sort of curious but it it's too, i think it's too much of a thing it's such a big thing and i don't know where to go and i think i like it but there, there's so much anime out there there's so yeah. many gaps i have to fill and that stuff. is crazy though so um, she she must have she's already been in been... some gundam too oh well there you go i mean gundam i, w- I wouldn't know I think that it's maybe one that i'm looking at maybe starting well to you can to... tell me i'll let you know I'll, yeah but that's so that's interesting so she must have already been if she was sailor moon then she was already famous in japan and that's probably has something to do with, I'm sure, because like the voice mm-hmm. actors are, are, I don't know, is celebrity the right word? But I think they're known by fans are, over there. For sure. So, so people, people watching this would, do, would be excited about they that. They do music as well, a lot of them. Like, um, we're talking about Cruel Angel's thesis in an earlier episode. And one of my favorite versions was my friend Will and I found a, a version of the opening theme to Evangelion sung mm-hmm. by the three major voice actresses from the show. So it was Misato and Ray and Asuka all trading off verses. And it's very, very pleasing. Man, very, voice acting sounds like good. a great, this is like a great job. I've always thought that. Yeah. I've always, I would love that's, that's, there's like, well, you got to respect it then, man. We got to, we got to respect the dub actors. I mean, I hear they're, they're angry about, um, the fact that there may be a new dub and I, there's, there's like oh. conspiracies and somebody with Tiffany Grant or one of the voices took to Twitter and was sort of, you know, expressing well, dismay or, I don't, I mean, we can talk, we, we, we need to, we do need to go soon, but it's yeah, actually probably worth having a conversation, a brief conversation about like we've, we've, we've shit on dubs before 
And I, I guess I don't, I mean, I can speculate. We've talked about this like personally a bunch, and I don't know if you have more of a factual answer, but it just, it just, it's one of those things. It's kind of like, um, audiobooks is a good example. It has, okay. There's probably a parallel here because it's like, I don't know, but you, you don't like audiobooks as much as I do, but I, I, I do like audiobooks, but I will at times not listen to one because the voice, the voice, the voice actor who's reading it has the audiobook voice. And it's, it's like, uh huh. It's weird because technically it's just someone talking, right? But there's kind of, and I don't know if it's because you get into a professional rhythm of a sort of expectation of what these things sound like. And so it's just, it sounds stale. Or if it's, I mean, I think the pace at which a lot of these things are recorded, I mean, audiobook recording sessions have to be like, yeah. I mean, imagine how, I mean, they, they, there's no other takes. You're just knocking it out. You're doing it. So it's like, it's kind of a rushed thing. And it's like, I don't know enough about the industry of American voice actors, but it's, it's, it just seems like there's some sort of convention that makes it seem I will say stock it, in some way yeah, or something. I can't, it has it's, gotten, it's not that these people are bad better. actors necessarily. Uh-huh. And it's like, cause they'll, cause the Miyazaki ones, they'll, they'll get big actors and sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's not good. It has nothing to do with the fact that like such and such from Burbank that does all just strictly voice acting is like shitty in comparison. Cause like right. there's good actors that are in the things that sometimes don't do it. I don't know why it's a specific thing that it, it's just usually kind of I don't like it, and I and I've I've tried to interrogate this myself exactly like what is sure. the quality of it. So I've rambled well, long enough. You yeah. go. I mean, part of it is it's got it's certainly gotten better as mm-hmm. as anime's gotten more popular, and yeah, like that you can pay for Tina Fey to be the mom yes. and yes. you know Ponyo, and like okay, well you're gonna get something different um, with that time and that money and all that stuff. A big part of it is just having to you know meet the lip flaps. So you've got, you're, yep. you're wrestling with a translation and you're, you're recording to, even though Japan does this as well, traditionally anime is done animation first and then dialogue second. Yeah. It's not like a, like a, like a different Disney from Western movie. animation, yeah, yeah. which is dialogue first and you animate to the lips. And that's why you have so much more. So it you, is just literally lip flap, mm-hmm. but it can be difficult to, you're dealing with a translation and translated dialogue, which is not necessarily the most uh, easy to speak. Like it doesn't, it's it's one thing to read some of these some of these lines and it's like okay yeah cool that checks out but then imagining somebody saying them out loud it would be stilted because it's a translation and they're probably not paying I mean it's, there's not a lot of care put into the translation it's like if you hired like well you got to translate it and make sure that the line fits the mouth so you're like which is which is why I don't like dubs as much in part because I I feel like it's a less accurate translation yes. because yeah, it has no, that's to a good point. Yeah. not only be translated but then translated and meant to sound okay and meant to fit in the amount of time. And it's just like, it's another barrier to There's too many masters. It's trying to serve for yeah. it to be, for me. To, well, yeah, this is I'm just, you know, to, to, to summarize the whole thing is like, it, it seems to me as though, yeah, it's, it's the task at hand is, is they're not, I don't think enough time is spent on making it just purely good. And that's because there's so many other masters to serve in terms of just making it work. And it does seem like, why would you put that many barriers between you but we've and, spoken the before, and what's the, you, uh, what's the movie that you went to see and the, the director sort of, was... Oh, that's it. Yeah. That was, well, it was, yeah, it's, it's, um, it was, uh, angst, the, mm-hmm. uh, Austrian film from the eighties. And it was, it wasn't the director. It was Gaspar Noé was right. there doing the thing. And he talked about how in that one, he actually, had seen a 
both subtitled and dubbed. And it was because the whole thing is uh, voiceover narration from inside the character's head that he was saying, hearing it in your own language, even if it's dubbed, it's like it, it's actually better because it puts you like like you're having those thoughts instead of reading them like which is one step removed for your brain to process so i do think that there's i think there is a merit to that because i I now wish that there was a dub version of that because i you know i'm a literature major you know been reading that was always you know in elementary school i sucked at math i was always good at the language stuff so for me reading something and watching something it doesn't bother me it doesn't it doesn't act as a barrier Mm -hmm. whereas you know hearing you know some of the stilted language or just knowing that that's not the voice or like that there's another artistic uh entity interpreting something that i want the purest form of like these things distract me Mm -hmm. and but i can see for somebody else that having to read might be a barrier so you might need to be more immersed in a different way it's just it is weird because i'm watching a lot more anime with my kids now Mm -hmm. and they have to you know, one of them is six. So it's like I w- watched all of Cowboy Bebop with my kids who were 10 and six. And, you know, we had to do the dub mm-hmm. and I'd always resisted the dub. And it's like, it's, it's fine. Like I kind of yeah, wish, especially I could actually when, believe it, that Cowboy when it got Bebop to the end. Okay. As a yeah. Dub, I'm a, I like, I like Jet's voice, um, you know, um, and I, you know what the actress does with Ed is that's such a, such a difficult thing. And it's like, sure. it mostly works. And, and my, my kids really liked it. So, so I get it, and I and I understand it more than I have before. I still just I prefer it, and that's that's what we're doing for the show. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just it's just worth talking about this stuff because it, at the end of the day, look, if you love Evangelion and you for some reason are, have grown attached to watching it dubbed, and you have a, you know, yeah, I a understand. Lot of it's just like a lot of what you first encounter yeah, it's and just... the weird thing is my vhs box my fabled vhs box mm-hmm. was half of the episodes were dubbed and half were subtitled mm-hmm. and it was vhs so you didn't get to choose it wasn't like netflix or dvd yeah. where you've got the multiple tracks will and i just had to all right this one's <laughs> this one's dubbed and this one's not and that's yeah that's and it's and, and, you know some people have a more fluid relationship to it it just it just depends and i'm not shitting on if your experience is a positive one you know and that's the way you watch it then good for you like if you if you're enjoying something you're always the one who wins you know in in, a, totally. in an argument like this but it's like if if you've tried to watch anime and don't like it or you've tried to watch evangelion and don't like it but it, you were doing it dubbed i that's would just say point. try it again subtitled and and see how that impacts your enjoyment it's, it's, it's really the only part thing. of the stigma and barrier yeah. for a lot of probably american viewers is like you know it's 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 you know it seems cheesier especially the older anime you know you know you're watching dragon ball or something and people are talking like this and, ah! <laughs> you know, i yeah. can see how it would be like this seems really Really silly. Well, and, and I mean, it like, becomes slightly less silly when you. And, and you know, if you grew up watching Ninja Turtles and then you watch the original dub of Akira, and it's like it's it's Cam <laughs> Clark is in, and it so the Cam association Clark. that this stuff is only for children or something like Setsuo. that, which I don't care. By the way, I you can like children. People are like, oh, it's a kid stuff. It's like, well, everybody watches Pixar movies. Like, who gives a shit? The, the fact that it's for kids, it doesn't really matter. But if totally. people are going to have a negative association because of the tropes of voice acting that you're they're used to hearing in children's shows in america you know it's just it's all the stuff that creates those feelings and that's all yeah. we're talking about so no i, I mean I, we could talk about this all day but we should probably wrap it up yeah, I, yeah i do think it's uh interesting and yeah i mean watch it however you want to watch it and you know just sort of explaining why we're watching it the way yeah that's all the way we are 
because um, that's what this podcast is. It's just us watching our favorite all, yeah, show and res- talking about it. So. All respect to yeah, all the you know those involved, and I because I know people, the actors are very attached to the characters, and I know that certain people you know get very upset at the yeah. idea of you know manga entertainment licensed the the Evangelion movies, and there was a lot of concern of you know you want consistency in the voices. And, mm-hmm. and I can see yeah, it was like the whole um, that's what you're choosing. To like do, that so. was the video game. Uh, the game that you really like, the you... Catherine? <laughs> no, she, no, Mass Effect. No, the what the hell is it called? The, where the two teenage girls, and then they did. They, they, there was like oh, they were on strike. Uh, and Life they, is strange. Yeah, the like Life is strange too, which like I know no, no one played because right. everyone got so pissed off about the voice acting getting the voice actors getting recast, and it's like yeah, that stuff's a bummer. I get it, you know. Yeah. So all right, well, let's come back next time for episode. Oh, this will be a good one. Eight. Oh yeah, episode eight is it's... called. Uh, Asuka arrives in Japan is the Japanese title. <laughs> very, very literal. Yeah. The the American title is again is another example of it being better. Is Asuka strikes? Yeah, Asuka arrives in Japan sounds like a children's book <laughs> about a about a kid that comes to visit Japan and all the fun stuff they see. Asuka arrives in Japan. Yeah, but this is yeah. Asuka strikes! Exclamation point! Yeah. So oh, lots of exclamation points. Get, get, get ready. ready. Okay. Okay. <laughs> see you guys next time. <laughs>